One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, your weekly chance to sort of dive into the psyche of our guests as they recount life stories and the songs that come along with them. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Mike Swindle. Mike is a third-generation Hendry County resident. He says growing up in beautiful rural Florida ingrained in him a love and appreciation of its culture of outdoor life and agriculture. He's a former teacher in Hendry County and was instrumental in growing the career and technical education program out there that gives opportunities for students and adults in the Henry County region. He began his career as a public official in 2013 when he was elected as a Henry County Commissioner. Since 2020, Mike has served as the elected superintendent of Henry County Schools. He says driving academic achievement and arming students with the knowledge and tools for success are his primary focus and that he's proud to call himself a future maker. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Great. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. So um, did you drive over from LaBelle, Clewiston? Yeah, I was in the LaBelle office today. So yes, I drove uh, just a little over an hour ago and headed this way. So yes, made the trip this this morning. Were you listening to music on your way? A little bit, yes. A little bit of music. Had to make a few phone calls. So the phone calls took more of the time than the music did. What was the music you were listening to? Um, it was uh, I was on ninety six point nine this morning, just trying to get the vibes up a little bit. Understood. Okay, so you're third generation Henry County. Yes, that's right. Um, Clewiston in particular is where you Clewiston grew up. Clewiston specifically on both my my mother's side and my grandfather my father's side. Um, they both moved there roughly the same time in the early days of Clewiston. Uh, helped do a lot of the development. The 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 Canal system would help drain the area such oh, yeah? that it could be lived in and farmed and stuff like that. Hmm. So, so, yes. So, deep roots. Deep roots. That's correct. How would you describe the musical background of your childhood? Like, what was being around, played around you, yeah. et cetera? So, uh, I grew up the youngest of, uh, I have three siblings, uh, two sisters and a brother, and, uh, and, and grew up on a farm. My father had a, a construction business where he did road construction, and so... Being the youngest one, the, the the older of my brothers and sisters had um, pretty much, you know, were older and were doing older kids things. So I wound up hanging around a lot with my father and my parents. Hmm. And so I wound up listening to what they listened to. Which was what? Which was a lot of religious music. Okay. And a lot of the, the 50s tile music and stuff like that. And so, and it just never really left me. I just kind of kept that hmm. genre of era of music throughout my life and never really, even with my own era, I never kept up with that. So my, I kind of stayed true to to what that imprinted on, on my brain. When time. you say 50s music, do you mean like sort of like the rollover Beethovens of the world or what, or like, you know, no, early uh, rock and roll Elvis? Yeah, yeah, some of the early rock and roll Elvis and a lot of the, the, the fun type 50s dance music and stuff like that. And I still to this day love it when it comes on and I got, you know, in, in my truck, I'll put it on those stations sometime just to lighten the mood or, or get my mind, you know, to a, you know, a better relaxed place. Huh. Yes. Um, what's the earliest musical memory you can recall? The earliest musical stuff I can recall in my life is absolutely the religious music. Being in church, um, I, my parents were very stout and still to this day go to church, and I love church to this day myself. But when we went to church and singing the hymns, and then in the car, you know, that's what we would listen to there and, you know, to and from. And so that that is the earliest music I can recall in my life. Did you ever get put in the choir? Uh, I did not. I remember my mother being in the choir from time to time, but no. Uh, other than when we were kids, we did the, the kids' church things and sang in the kids' choirs and things like that. But never as an adult, I do not believe uh, singing uh, uh, is my personal forte. I don't believe I have a very good <laughs> singing voice, and so they probably wouldn't have allowed me in the choir anyway. Um, do you have any musical memories stemming from your grandparents? I do not. They were quite older even when I was at a younger age, and so no, I do not. Um were there musical instruments being played around you? No, I never remember any. There, none of us were really musically inclined with regard to singing so much, or even with the musical instruments. So no. So in school, then you never were like in the school band or got no. played a played a, a wood block or something. No, only the courses that were required at the time. And so I was in the band class and enjoyed it, but that pretty much reassured that I was not musically inclined. And to this day, even in the role that I serve in, I love going to the to the band concerts and to the things that they put on at the schools. It's just amazing 
what those students are able to do. Do you ever play music while you're at work, like in the office? No, I do not today. Um, just the, the nature of what I do just requires so much of my time and thought. And then it's from one meeting to the next. And so I don't sit long enough really right. to turn the radio on. Was that the same way when you were a county commissioner? Yes. And, and the county commissioner uh, piece of that even was um, a part-time and so in, in the small rural districts, you oh, have right, a career right. and then you serve also as commissioner. So it wasn't office time. It was more just go to those meetings and attend the meetings and attend the business that's needed to as a commissioner. So Understood. Not, not much music being played there. Um, you know, if you could learn a musical instrument instantly without having to try and just be really good at it suddenly, yeah. which would it be? Piano. Yeah. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. I just love piano music. I think that that's a true talent. They're all true talent and skills. Don't get me wrong. I recognize that. But I just love the piano music. Uh, it's very soothing. I think it's just an unbelievable uh, uh, art. And so, yes, I would love to be able to do that. Uh, the church that you attend, is there music at it beyond just a choir? Because yes. nowadays a lot of churches, you know, they've got yes. bands going and stuff. Well, and, and so the church that I'm currently attending uh, in Cluiston, um, a real life church, they uh, and, it, and it's a very um, progressive, modern, light rock type of Christian music. And so uh, it's very nice. It's It's a good beat and it gets your vibes going and makes you feel good. And but with the religious tones and vernaculars to it. Do you remember when you first went to a church service that had that kind of music? Because I would assume this, that's not what it was like growing up. That's so right. that must have been an adjustment. This really is the first church I've ever been to that had that type of music. Every church I've attended my whole life has been the old traditional, old Southern style gospel hymns that we that you sing. Huh. Well, it's time to get to your first song, which is not a gospel song. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, it, uh, Cheeseburger in Paradise. Yep. So what's the story, or would you like to listen to it? Yeah, let's listen to it first. Okay, I like it. Let's go with that. This is Mike Swindle's first song on Three Song Stories Today. This is Cheeseburger in Paradise by Jimmy Buffett from his 1978 album, Son of a Son of a Sailor. So what's the story with that one? You know, um, when I, uh, uh, throughout my whole life, uh, part of the part of the uh, things that we did as a family was uh, boating, um, uh the West Coast here in Fort Myers a little bit, and then a lot wound up in the Florida Keys, and just absolutely love that lifestyle as a kid. Uh, I think we were—I think I was seven or eight years old the first time we went to the Keys, and I've, no, I've not missed a year yet. Yeah, uh, the diving, the swimming, the snorkeling, and then of course when I got into my college years, and then that's when I was started learning more about Buffett and learning more of his songs, and that song just resonated with me, with regard to. Um, the 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 boating, you know, his lifestyle and yeah. what he had done and what he had not done, and 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 love a ton of his songs, but this one really just always stood out as kind of the iconic Buffett song in my mind. Um, and every time I hear it, it just takes me back to the the boating days and and being in the Keys and and the fun we had and the memories we made and still make that I'm still doing today with my kids and my two sons and my wife. Um, it's just uh, it, it's a wonderful way to enjoy life and to spend family time. Um, that song, uh, the history of it, I guess Jimmy was uh, kind of somewhat stranded on a sailboat, and he was running out of food, and he was dreaming about a cheeseburger <laughs> and just something to just something to eat, you know that that he could he was thinking about. But uh, uh, I have been stranded on boats before, but uh, luckily not not to the point where I had to start worrying about food or water or anything. Where in the Keys do you go? Typically in Marathon. Yeah. Yep, that's the go-to place for us. We've been going there for north of 30 years, so it's almost like a second home to us. We know the waters, the island really well, and the places to eat we like. We have our favorites and favorite spots we like to get in the boat and go fish or go dive and stuff like that. And so it's just like our home away from home where we're very relaxed and just love it there. Um, You know, you mentioned you went there as a kid. You have kids now. I don't know how old they are, but do you remember the first time that you were like, man, I get to take my kid to the Keys? It was never a second thought from the minute they were born. And so, uh, yeah, from the kid, from the time my sons were born, we took them immediately and just inundated them with the boat and the water. How and, old are they? Oh, I got, uh, my oldest son's 18 and my youngest son's 15. I oh, gotcha. And so two teenage boys and they they love it now. They want to go spearfishing. They want to go catch a lobster. They want to go uh, uh, dolphin fishing or snapper fishing. So they're just all about that lifestyle. Now that we've got fancy Bluetooth speakers and whatnot, do you have music out on the boat when you're out there? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, especially when do your when, sons make you play it. Yeah, well, more so my wife. So, oh, yeah? so the boys, they're all business when we're on the boat. But when my wife goes, she likes to hear some music, and we'll play the Buffets and different things, you know, some reggae music and stuff to kind of get those vibes going and what it's supposed to feel like while you're on the water and the salt water, especially. Growing up, did you spend much time out on Lake Okeechobee? You know, uh, no, I wouldn't say a lot. Some. 
Um, but uh, but growing up, uh, uh, it was a it was a work mentality with my father. We worked, we worked a lot. We worked on the farm, and he still had a road construction business at the time. So we did take some time and go fishing, but I wouldn't say a lot. I've done a lot. It more was more vacation fishing. Yeah, that's correct. And um, uh, but I've done a lot more with my sons on on the lake uh, uh, bass fishing. Uh, my son was in the Florida High School Bass Nation series, and just absolutely loved that. And so we wound up on the lake a lot. Um, and you know, bluegill fishing, you name it. So anything with a boat in the water now, freshwater, saltwater, we love this West coast water and, uh, and the keys, just both my boys are all about it. We once got stranded on a pontoon boat in the rim canal. We didn't even make it to the lake with, with my friend, Chris. Yes. And we had to be rescued. Somebody, if somebody who was a County commissioner at the time brought his airboat out, (laughs) I don't think it was you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Oh man. You ever see Buffett live? I have. I've been to three concerts, and and uh, absolutely one one in college and two since. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. Love it. Just love to go. You know, love a um, love that atmosphere. You know, you're in a, you're in a, a huge arena, obviously, with people that all love that music and that type of lifestyle, and people are dressed in Hawaiian clothes. And, and are uh, you dressed in Hawaiian clothes? Uh, we did. So shortly <laughs> after college, the one my college roommate and I had had gone to. I don't know why we did it, but he said, we've got to dress up. So we went and found everything we could and buffeted it up, and people were taking pictures of us, and it was just a, it was a great outing. You ever get a chance to meet him? Seems like maybe in the not. circles you've been in, you have, might have had a chance. I have not. I would love to, and he's also an avid pilot. And so we share some of the piloting passions as well. Oh, you're a pilot as well? Yes, yes. And so there is a big fly-in at Sun and Fun in Lakeland every year in March. And he frequently goes to those and hangs out by his plane. And it's probably the most opportunity I would ever have. But I've just never yet, you know, been made the uh, everything connect where I was not too late. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, So you mentioned so you kind of got stuck on like church music and 50s music when you were younger. So when you were in high school, was that your jam? Were you like the kid that was listening to the stuff that nobody else was listening to? My friends hated to hang around me, you know, when it was music time uh, or, or we were in my vehicle. They all would go, oh, no, not this again. And so I would have um, old Willie Nelson, you know, from, you know, which was 20 years prior to my era. They were all wanting to listen to Metallica and, and the, what, what, would have, what would have been the end, end thing to listen to. But in my mind, I was like, no, I don't want to hear that. I can't even understand what they're saying. I had a similar story. I've told it. I'll tell the short version because I've said it on the show before. But I got stuck on music from the 50s and yeah. when I was like 15 or 16 because I went on a trip and the leaders of the church group had like a box set from Time Life. Right. And when I got home, I, they let me dub it all. Yeah. And I drove around for like a year and a half in high school listening to freaking Rollover yes. Beethoven. And all yes. my friends were like, what is going yes, on with you? Right. Got to yep. stick with what makes you happy, though, That's right. right. And, and it's today. My, we'll get in the vehicle to go somewhere today. And, and if I'm driving, of course, my uh, playlist off my phone or something will come up. And my kids are like, oh, no, come on. Can we listen to something else? Do you have um, like satellite radio or something so you have the ability to t- dial in that kind of stuff? Um, it, I have the capabilities, but I don't do that necessarily, <laughs> but I do download music onto my phone so that I can listen to what I want when I want. So if I'm my vehicle or if I'm on the treadmill or whatever I'm on, then that gives me the ability to do that. When was the last time you purchased music that you could hold in your hands? Oh my. Yeah. It's been, it's been a couple of years, at least, at, at least maybe several years. I haven't even thought about that in a while, but yeah, it's been years. We've downloaded music now for a while. Isn't it interesting? Yes. It, even right. over the course of the four and a half years of this show, I've seen that train. You know what I right. mean? We're at the point now where most people are like, I know. You know yeah. Why I, do it? I, I, would, I wouldn't even know. I, I, I a couple s- more years, we won't even ask the question That's anymore. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't even know if there are stores. I would have to struggle to find a store to go buy music right now, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, what was the first music that you owned? Did you ever like own an album that was yours? Um. Uh, probably not a vinyl album, but I remember my sisters having them. Um, the you might have been a cassette era. Yeah, I think maybe the cassettes, and I do remember the eight tracks a little bit. And of course, it was all all my dad's eight tracks of either religious uh, Jimmy Swagger type stuff, and you know, you know, uh, preachings. Um, maybe some country music, maybe some Willie Nelson type, you know, because my dad loved Willie Nelson. Did that form a, a, a bond with you and him that was different than your older brothers and sister or sisters and brother? Yeah, it may have. Um, yeah, because they, like I said, by the time I remember that era, they were pretty much already gone and, you yeah. know, young teenagers and doing their own thing, but I never did. I kind of stayed there and worked on the farm and worked with dad and went to work with dad and vacation with mom and dad as kind of the three of us for, for most of it. And so then that, that was kind of what imprinted on me. Um, uh, is your family still farming? 
We still own the farm. I still live on the farm. What uh, do you guys grow? So today it's sugarcane. It's been a little bit of everything throughout the history of the land. It's been cattle. It's been sod. It's been vegetables. It's been ornamental trees and plants. Uh, it's been rice. And so um, it's just been a plethora of different agricultural crops. Well, why cane now? Is it just the best thing to be growing right now or it's the easiest thing to grow? Or Well, it's it's a combination thereof. Uh, the, the short answer is yes. You know, the vegetable industry is and the citrus industry, of course, is a good example. There are volatile industries. They are risky. And in the sugar cane, it's a little less profitable per acre, but it's more solid with regard to as long as you can grow grow the crop, then you've got a market for it and you will get paid. And so it's a little more solid with regard to the crop that you grow. Understood. Um, you've probably seen a lot of farmland be um, converted into development land. Yes. Maybe not as much out where you are, but certainly yep. in the state. You know, yes. What are your thoughts on that as a family farmer? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a constant struggle internally for what you do with that. This is inherited land that my great-grandfather purchased, and uh, it'll be up to myself and my sons um, to either farm it or make that decision when that time is right. And it is a true internal struggle, um, but it is incumbent upon us to to make good, sound financial business decisions and do what's best for the highest and best use of the land. And so it's, we love farming. It's a part of our life. It's ingrained in us. But there may come an era and there may come a time where we have to decide, um, especially with some pending uh, developments uh, of of Air Glaze International Airport right. and the growth of the community, then we may have to decide. You know, is that going to be the the future, or will we have to chart our own territory there with regard to development? That's an interesting uh, thing to have to ponder. It is um, okay. We're going to get to your second song, but real first to tee up after <clears throat> real first to tee up after your second song. What did you want to be when you grew up? Like when you were going away to college? Yeah. Like, so what was your goal at that point? You know how sometimes you you run across individuals in your life that that uh, are very influential. And and I had uh, uh, my my mother and father, my father as as the 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 driver of my work ethic and behaviors was very influential. And I had a teacher in high school named Richard Poppy. He was a famous agriculture teacher um, in Clewiston. And I had Mr. Poppy as a teacher, and of course, being from an ag background, lived on a farm, understood machinery. I loved doing those things. And so, what I did at home, I also did for the agro science program at the school. Well, I developed a very close bond with Mr. Poppy. And and just one day in passing, um, he said, what are you going to do? And I'll maybe my sophomore or junior year in high school. And I said, I, I really don't know. At this point, I guess I'm going to be a cane farmer. And he says, you ought to think about being an agri-science teacher. You do a good job at that. Never said another word to me about it. And then um, uh, during the summer of my junior year, um, he hosted a University of Florida agri-science teacher um, update uh, where they were sharing information. And one of the professors from the University of Florida was there. And we went to lunch and this professor sat at my table and he says, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I- I'm not sure. Mr. Poppy thinks I should be an agri-science teacher. He said, oh, that's a good idea. And then that was Dr. Jimmy Cheek, who then became very influential in my life and uh. led me through the University of Florida to be an agri-science teacher. So ever since I was a young kid in high school, I only wanted to be a cane farmer and teach agri-science. And so that was exactly what I went. I did that for uh, right at 20, a little bit north of 20 years. I taught agri-science and, and farm cane. So, Well, that's, uh, that's a perfect setup for the next section. Yep. So, okay, well, let's get to your second song. This is um, Whitney Houston performing the national anthem at the 1991 Super Bowl. Yes. What's yes. the story or how do you want to go? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't mind. I, it, while, while in college, you know, my, my buddies were, were gathered at the apartment. We're going to watch the Super Bowl. It's, Big game and all, and then when uh, I'd always loved Whitney Houston music, um, very one of the most beautiful voices I think I've ever heard sing, and I just love all of her music. But it, the the national anthem number one stands out in my mind as the Americana, the iconic Americana song, and to hear her sing the rendition of that song, it just you know we all got quiet. If you can imagine a room full of college guys, we all just got quiet. So wow, that was just unbelievable. And to this day, I can remember that moment in time, and it made me proud. Proud to be an American. Proud to be who I am and where I where I am uh, in 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 the world today. Paint a picture where you guys you guys are in a dorm room. You guys yeah. have a house for rent. What yeah, was going uh, on? We had a I had a one roommate. And we had an apartment, and but we had several friends, and so and most of them lived in dorms where they couldn't have a Super Bowl party and stuff. So we said, no, y'all come over here, and we had some you know burgers on the grill and and doing things college guys done at the time. 
And so we were probably six or eight of us hanging out at our apartment, getting ready for the game. Were you already a fan of hers? So you were kind of anticipating? No, that actually that took me by off guard. I, I see. You guys sat down that. to watch the Super Bowl I, and were hit by that. That's right. I was a fan of hers, yes, and loved her music and loved to hear her sing. I didn't ever attend any of her concerts, oh, but see, see, loved see. her music. Didn't uh, I may have had a cassette of hers at that point in time, but uh, it, so we were just kind of goofing around and then realized, you know, she was getting ready to sing that, and so we all just kind of listened. Well, let's listen to it through that lens. This is uh, the National Anthem performed by Whitney Houston at the Super Bowl in 1991. It's Mike Swindle's second song here on Three Song Stories. What's that make you feel now? Yeah, the the same same patriotic and just uh, absolute wonderful place that we live in, number one, and then number two, just what what a beautiful song, you know, so devastating that we don't have Whitney Houston to continue some of the great work that she was doing. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you, I'd have to Google who played in that Super Bowl, but I won't forget that song and listen to that. I'm just listening to it and imagine like, you know, because, you know, she was so good. She was so talented and so powerful. And to be singing that song, like, what was that like for her? Yes. Just to be wielding that voice and that that crowd and the whole world. I mean, it's so much power in that. I agree. I agree. Oh, man. Um, so do you listen to Whitney Houston today? I do. Okay. I do, so you yes. don't just listen to 50s. And, no, and... that's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. But it's still a little bit behind. Even so, you know, like when my kids get the vehicle stuff, they're like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, Whitney Houston is oldies. Now. It's oldies now. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, so when you had like those roommates, when you went away to school, you knew what you wanted to study. You knew you were going to go to UF. Yes. Um, were, were you hanging out with agri-science buddies? I mean, were you kind of in that circle or was, yeah. it, was it more diverse than that? Uh, it, it was it was mostly that agricultural circle. There's some, uh, you know, a lot of animal science type majors and, and then some of the folks we hung around at the department complex that we got to know and got to be good friends with. They were other education majors and stuff like that. Uh, Do you have any um, musical memories from that time? Were there any concerts? I know UF would bring people through. Did you ever see any music there? Buffett was the only one. Yeah. They did, but the only one. My roommate and I somehow wound up with tickets to Buffett, and we went there. And and what stood out to me was, I guess back in the 70s, um, he had went there uh, when he was kind of first getting started. And wound up in some trouble. I don't know. I think they after the concert, the whole band, they all went out somewhere and got in trouble. And I think they got arrested. And that particular concert was the first time they would let him come back. Oh, and, he'd and been banned. He had been banned, banned from, there, from Gainesville. That was my understanding. And maybe I is, I think that's how I remember it anyway. But, and it was his first concert back. So he came out and made a big deal about he's glad his sins were forgiven there. And it was just, it was really fun. Um, if you had to guess, how many Gator games have you been to? Oh, you know, uh, I, 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 I never attended a lot, even as a student. Oh, really? I, I struck you that you yes. struck me as a, as a so football I, attendee. You fish in the keys, you go yeah. to the Gator games. <laughs> but it was one of those things. I've probably been to maybe 10 okay. total, but even as a student, but I've probably been to more since I graduated there. But it was where, you know, we liked it. It wasn't that we didn't like to go to them, but we always had tickets. I either had family that wanted to go, so I would give the tickets to them, um, or one of my buddy's family was in town. And, and so we did that. And then, you know, the, the rest of the core would sit at the apartment and watch it on TV and and, uh, and enjoy it that way and not have to deal with the park. Not and have walking. to deal with the with all the, yes, yeah. I've right. been to maybe five. Yep, yep. <laughs> And that was enough for yes, me. Yes, <laughs> right. Just for that reason. Um, so um, did you make it through in four years? I did. You struck, yes. me as, you struck me as the kind of person who would have made it through in four years. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, and and uh, I, I was just, I wanted to do it. I was driven. Um, didn't, I probably had the same struggles any other student would have, you know. But outside of that, yeah, I made it in the four and went right to work after back teaching ag at Cluiston High School, actually. Was your plan always to return to Cluiston? I never did, thought did, about going anywhere you, else. You never I, wavered I just on that. Never, I never, it never crossed my mind that there was another option. So how old were you when you started teaching? 23. What was it like teaching at a school that you went to in a small community where you very likely knew some of the students, or maybe were even related to students, yeah, et cetera. I mean, that, what, what was that like, dynamic like yeah, for you? Yeah, and, you had and to be grown up all of a sudden. That's right. And and you're right. That was a little bit of an adjustment for me. And, and then all of a sudden, I was also colleagues with teachers that I right, knew. who used to tell you what to do. And that probably was the biggest adjustment hmm. for me. You know, I didn't have a problem adjusting to students that I knew or family members 
that were students at the time. That seemed to come pretty natural and easy, but it probably was more of an adjustment that there were these teachers there that I'd held on this high pedestal my whole life, and now they're asking me questions, and I was like, well, I don't know about that. And, and so, so you taught uh, ag- agri-science? Or? I taught agriculture sciences at Cluson High School, yes. And is that something that you would have, you know, five classes worth throughout the day of students of all levels? I mean, uh, Or that, seven, yeah, six or, or seven se- classes all day. I was giving correct. you some classes off, yeah, but I guess right, you don't I'll get those. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and so, yeah, and so you would have beginning level where it was just kind of the overall agriculture and orientation to it and and the sciences behind it, heavily laden with leadership. Public speaking is a big part of what we do or a parliamentary procedure running meetings. That's all part of that agri-science curriculum. And then students would choose to go to higher levels where they could learn very in-depth, detailed scientific concepts about livestock, grasses, uh, uh, water, water quality, handling water, storage, and things like that. And today they still run them. And the ones that we have in Hendry County and Clewis and Ellabelle are some of the best programs in the state. That doesn't surprise me. And I, what I'm wondering is, is you know, I don't know, are there similar programs in Lee County? There are, yeah. There you know, are some agri-science I, I programs I was thinking probably by now yes. there would be, but yep. um, are, yep. they, do, are they comparable ones. to what you guys do, yes. or are you kind of way out ahead of things? No, well, no. So it's sort of area-specific. And so the, obviously the ones where we are is, is focused on the ag in our area. The ones in Lee County are focused in the ag in the area, which would be horticulture, aquaculture, uh, the mechanics and things there that said go. students could use those skills in their local area. So how long did you teach before you decided to run for county commission? So uh, I was probably in the mid-22, uh, 23-year range. Okay. And um, Did you keep teaching then? Because you mentioned yes. that the commission thing wasn't a full-time thing. That's correct. Yep. I was teaching at the time. I kept teaching and then started doing the evening uh, most of the uh, most of the stuff with commissions, evening meetings, and you know, the, so I could arrange if I had to do extra meetings for after school hours and things like that. Was that something that you'd always planned on, or something that sort of just cropped up? No, I've always loved leadership. I've always loved public speaking. I've always loved leadership roles. I've always, um, I feel like I hold very high values. And so I was at a point in time with some events in my life that I knew that either I had to accept what was going on or take you know, do my part to make things better. And so at that point in time, I wanted to, to start a footprint in leadership, start a footprint with Hendry County, um, making good decisions and driving better decisions for citizens and myself and my family. Were you the first uh, elected swindle? Um, I believe I was. Yes, to my knowledge. I had some uncles earlier in life on my dad's side that had ran, but I don't think they ran successfully. But I don't believe any of them. I could very well be the only the first anyway. Hmm. Your son's got a few years yet. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so did you transition directly from, like, did you w- explain when you became the superintendent, yes. like how that transition happened? Yep, yep. And so uh, when I got out of teaching, I went into some school administration for a year, and then I went into workforce development while I was still county commissioner. And my role as workforce development was to be the conduit between what the businesses needed with regard to who they were hiring and making sure the schools were, were training students and adults because we had adult programs and we'd still have adult programs as well to make sure that we were training skilled individuals to obtain those jobs. And while I was in that role, um, it was time for the leadership to change at on the county level for, for the school system as well. And as the former superintendent was retiring, then I began, uh, I knew that that was the role that I wanted to run for. And so then I ran for superintendent of schools in 2000, um, still a county commissioner. 2020. 2020. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. And so uh, the election laws say that you have to resign to run. You can't hold two election offices at one time. But what we did was we made my resignation date from county commission the day of the election. Huh. And so it was a bit of a gamble. If I would have lost, I would have just not been an elected official. Right, right. And had I won... I wouldn't have held two offices. I had resigned from one effective election day, hmm. 13 days Stuck later. your neck out a little I bit. I did. I did. That's right. <laughs> uh, so you took over as superintendent in 2020, which was, you know, it was a pretty big year. Some yes. things happened that affected education in 2020. Oh. What was that like being dropped into that? You know, you kind of thought you knew where it was going. Right. And then suddenly it was like yes. balls in the air. That's right. And, and the whole uh, pandemic, you know, just sort of upended the way that we taught students and handled students and regarded who was in schools and how we were in schools. Um, but let me tell you, as a result, what, you know, we have an unbelievably resilient group of students nationwide and an unbelievably group of resilient and hardworking and adaptive uh, professional teachers and paraprofessionals and bus drivers and those folks who come in contact with those kids every day. Every single one of them met the challenge. 
They rose to the occasion, and we made it happen. Everything from delivering uh, the laptop computers to the students, delivering food to the students in the communities who we knew were underserved and needed to make sure they had proper nutrition. Bus drivers took time and went and made that happen. Teachers learned to do entirely remote lessons from their classrooms while interacting with students. Wasn't the best, and it's still not the best way of teaching today, but it, it did get us through a pandemic. And thank goodness today we're back in school, teachers face-to-face with students and learning. Do you feel like uh, you're stronger as a team district-wide because you, know, you had to be through it? That, that's a wonderful question. The answer is absolutely. We feel like what what can we not face now? We had to face you know one of the greatest disruptions in a, in a worldwide pandemic during this era. And, and we met it, and we did it, and we did it very effectively. So, yeah, the team, when we look at each other today, we're like, what what can happen now that we can't handle? We've been through hurricanes, pandemics, you know, so we know that we can challenge anything that comes our way. Um, I think you kind of breezed past this, but I want to dig a little more deeply into it. The uh, Adult Education and Workforce Development Program. Yes. That's kind of what you just alluded to, right? Yes, but yes. describe it more, you know, yeah, directly. So, yeah, so that fell in an era of my life. Well, so the, the, the agri-science education is a career and technical education program. Um, and so that that piece has always just just been one of one of my loves and passions. And so I had the opportunity to serve after teaching and, and one year as dean at Clewiston High School as the workforce development director in Hendry County. Uh, to set the stage, you, you may very well know, but it's a very rural. We're still very agricultural based, um, but we need there is a need for a diversity in what we do offer for our students and what employers are looking for. And that's everything from the healthcare industry to um, uh, business skills to and, and some of the mechanical skills, whether it be diesel mechanic, whether it be technical skills with computers or um, welding. And so a, a whole litany, HVAC is another good example mm-hmm. of a program that we're running now. And so we knew that we needed to diversify and offer those trainings for students. And, and it was a uh, it was very challenging with regard to how do you start a program because it takes funding. It takes a high-skilled teacher to do that. And those were what we were facing. But through um, some wonderful support, started off with the H.E. Hill Foundation, and then it wound up with the Future Makers and the Collaborator, and I think we'll talk more about them. Um, and as a result, I'm a proud Future Maker. But they recognized that, and they supported that effort. And as a result, today – um, through the programs that 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 we began, and Mr. Kevin Lukenhouse, who today is the workforce development director there, has continued to expand. Hendry has one of the most robust rural workforce development programs in the state, and I know that's hard to conceive, being from a very small southern rural district, but it's true. Um, he has he has had the mo- the highest increase in funding, the highest increase in enrollment, the highest reportable student hours in the state of Florida in rural districts, and. Um, and, and even is comparable to most of the urban districts hmm. that do this. Just for context, how many students are in the uh, the Hendry County School System? Uh, 7,400. 7,400. Yes. I think there's like 400,000 in Lee County yeah, or something it's, crazy it's like high. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe not really, that high. Don't yeah, quote me on yeah. it. Um, so what you're describing, um, I spoke on the, the the radio show that I host, Gulf Coast Life. I talked to uh, the Future Makers Coalition people mm-hmm. from the Collaboratory, the people from FGCU. They got a big grant. They're going to create what's mm-hmm. called the Southwest Florida Equitable Jobs Pipeline, yes. which is basically a scaled up version of what you're doing. That's right. It is fits, that a fair way to put it? It's, it's 100% a fair way to put it, and it braids into what we're talking about as well. So they're going to help um, – Help folks that that need the opportunity to upskill or to get a micro credentialing where they can have um, a said skill set that will make them available to be hired by a high skill, high wage situation. And when you look at the population of Henry County, we have a lot, a high percentage of people that that need that. And so we're going to laser focus trainings, and we have the ability. We've demonstrated that we have the ability to begin training programs. That, that people we need and that community needs and that the business needs. And so even if Airglades International Airport, and we hope and pray that they're able to, no pun intended, land there, um, if they can make that happen, um, they're going to need some very specified skills. What this grant's going to do is it's going to be able to help us prop up those grants, uh, prop up that training, and then help those folks get into it and then get them credentialed where they can be available for those jobs. So it's sort of an organically grown opportunity to help our own within Hendry County. And the interesting thing I found about that is that there will be employers who have basically put themselves on the hook to hire people. That's right. So it's not as if you're creating things and you think employers might need That's them. That's right. You're, hire, you're, you're training people 
and you know employers That's need them. A, a great example of that is the school system itself. And so we know we need teachers. And so they're going to – one aspect of this grant is they're going to allow us to take some of our current employees that serve in, in various positions like a paraprofessional, for example – and they will allow us to use this grant to fund them through an education course and get a teaching certificate and then be able to come back. And those are great wins. Those are folks that already live there. They already have a home there. They have a family there. They want to be there and they want to retire there. That's a great investment in our community. Okay, we're going to get back to the music. Okay. Um, have you been to many concerts besides Jimmy Buffett and Gainesville? <laughs> no, no, I have not. I've only been to really the Buffett con- I, I shouldn't say that, just a couple. But they were earlier in life with – you know, and, and as a high school student and stuff like that. Do your sons listen to music? They do. What do they listen to? They, Have they, they brought listen- anything home, home that made you raise your eyebrow? Uh, well, they well, probably haven't heard it. They're smart enough, though, so I can't hear it. But yeah, I guess it's probably, all earbuds now. Yes, it's all earbuds. But they listen to, they like the new country musics and stuff like that. So they they know all the artists, all the you know, the new stuff coming out and they can identify them and hear them, but I, I don't even know what they're talking about. Have you met any famous musicians or performers over the year? Um, years? No. You know what? I can't say that I have. No? I don't think I have. Um, do you and your wife's musical tastes align? No, she's way more modern and, 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 and with it than I am. So she knows stuff you have no idea what it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll readily admit that. When you drive together in the car, who gets to decide? Oh, it's always her. <laughs> she turns mine all fast. Uh, okay, so it's time for your third song now. Okay. Uh, speaking of country, yep, this is Alan Jackson. Would you like to tell a story or would? Yeah, you like sure. To do? So um, I'm an Alan Jackson fan. Anyway, I know he's probably a little. He's uh, from the more modern era than what I, you know, my, my earlier interest in songs were. But absolutely love Alan Jackson. I love you know he's just got that country voice. He's got clarity of voice. I can understand the words he's saying. It's sing-along type music. And this particular one is a religious song that just absolutely speaks to my soul. And his rendition of this song is is uh it's one of the ones that's on my phone that I listen to regularly on the treadmill or you know on the drive and this song um uh, in in contentious times in my life or a profession this is some of the music that allows me to take a deep breath and get my mind away from it and focus back on what's truly important in life and and what keeps me grounded and centered and focused and level-headed. It's, so it's like a reset kind it of song. It absolutely is a reset, yes. Are there any other songs that are like that, or is this kind of the song? No, no. There's a good handful. There's another. As a matter of fact, on this album that I that I chose this from, there's a, a good a good plenty of them on there as well. You need to see them live. Yes, I would love to. Yes. (laughs) Okay, this is uh, How Great Thou Art by Alan Jackson, released in 2006 on his album Precious Memories. It's Mike Swindle's third and final song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. How great thou art. That's a hymn, right? It is. I can remember singing that hymn as a young kid standing in church. That's what I was going to ask. So is the church, when you have a band like you have now in the church, do they still play hymns just through a modern flavor? Uh, Back then, it was all choir. Right, but today, would would the band at your church now ever sing that song? So, um, yeah, I suspect they would, you know, but in in the church that I go to now, it's not a, there's no band or it's it's a smaller, more community type church. And so it's it's more recorded music, and so they probably would sing that. I one. see. Um, the bands uh, there. I've been to a couple of other churches there, and the bands. Uh, it's more of a light rock. Yeah, you know, that's what I yeah, was imagining. They, they really get the tempo going. But you remember singing that as a kid? I can remember it like it was yesterday. You remember? Yes. You remember looking in the hymnal? Yes, seeing those lines. Yes, that's right. The back pew in front of me was almost eye level. Were you a shy singer? Were you? Oh, I'm still a shy that? singer because I know I've always known my voice. I had an uncle one time tell me I'd sell ben- better underwater singing, so, so that uh, yeah. So I've always <laughs> known that, and I and it doesn't bother me. I readily admit it. There's nothing I can do about it. And so yes, I've always been a shy singer. What does it feel like to listen to that song just here with us today and thinking about it? Yeah, it takes me back. I can see in my mind, you know, that church and those pews and my my parents beside me, and you know, the people around us and the preacher up front, you know, and the people singing along and. And uh, going through that singing worship, it was it was awesome. When you got this album and heard this song that was on it, did you were you surprised? And was it like a little bit of time travel there when yeah. the first time you heard it? You know, most of them on that Precious Memories album is that are that way. Uh, There's only a couple that that so were they're not all from little that time era. travel. That's for why you. I love that album. It's just I mean, almost every one of them. 
Do you listen to albums generally? I mean, you said you haven't bought music for a while. Yes. Now that it's streaming, do you still stream an album or do you just kind of jump around? Yeah, I, I jump around, and so I have different ones, and sometimes what I like to do is tell my phone just to play my music, and it randomizes them for me and keeps it kind of mixed up. So if you are a shy singer, you probably have never done karaoke, or yeah, have well, you? <laughs> yeah, not, not much. I will say a couple of weak moments, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what would you sing if you had to be thrust into a karaoke moment? Oh, my goodness. It had. I'm sure I'd have to go to a Buffett song. That's probably the only ones I know good enough to, to really – at least sound like I knew what I was doing. Son of a son of a sailor. Yes. I could hear you. That's got yes. a real low register That's right. It. I could absolutely do that one. Yep. That's right. Um, okay. You ready for a bit of a speed round? Yes. Okay. Do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that you would be willing to share? Do you know what, Do you know it already or am I? I don't. I, I don't. No. We ask this to everybody. <laughs> uh, you looked at me like I might have yeah, something over you like you do over me, yeah, but I, I don't. I, I, well, I knew you did some homework on me, so I wasn't sure. And I, so when I was younger- um uh and and this kind of speaks to the same music um with my music as a little kid i was just always with my dad went to work with my dad i hunted with my dad and so it was just me and my dad and so i wound up sounding like him talking like him working beside him as a little kid with a shovel and so everyone just called me the little man and so today i still run into people that will say hey little man and and you know and, and so yeah I guess that would be about as close as I get little man and as you yep. mentioned and I've mentioned it on the show before so I'm not afraid to again there are still people especially in Hendry County who know me by nothing but meathead <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that's great I love it um, if you were a championship wrestler what yeah. music would you enter the arena to oh goodness gracious I would have to really think about that because I don't think the genre in my history of music would be well, uh, it could you know yeah. just shape it in the right oh, way man I don't man that's good that's a hard that's the hardest question I think I've ever had um good grief what what would be a really exciting I'd have to think of something that would just be a really exciting loud uh good grief I don't know you're going to tell me without Whitney Houston. Yeah, a Whitney Houston song. Yes. Okay, we'll let you slide yeah, on I gotta that. Yeah, I got to take a pass. If you had to guess, what would you say is the song that you've listened to the most times in your life? Ooh, wow. Um, yeah, that's that's another really good one. So the song I've listened to the most is probably going to be the Buffett, the Buffett music and um, Island. He's got a song named Island, and it's a very deep very deep song about loving the island and wanting to go back to the island and uh, how he misses the island and he tries to get there, but he can't, you know, and I, and I see me too. I want to go back. I want to go to the saltwater so bad, but I can't get there. Work life stuff gets in the way. I really love that song. When are you going to the Keys next? Do you have anything on the books? It, possibly in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we didn't get to do a, a summer trip this year, so if we can, we're, we're going to do a late summer trip. Uh, cool. Um, is there a song you wish you could hear again for the first time? A song I could hear again for the first time. Wow. Um, so it would have to be, uh, it would probably have to go back to some of the, uh, um, probably some of those gospel hymns. They really speak to me. They speak to my soul. They speak to who I am. You know, I would love to hear some of those um, on that same album that I that I chose, How Great Thou Art, off of. Um, there are some other ones on there that really resonate with me. Very, very good question. Another one. I may have to get my phone out and look. Can I do that? Of course. He said I could. Yo, it's part of the rules. (laughs) All right. Hold on. That's the thing about the speed round. It always takes the longest to answer. Right. Yeah. The speed round. Well, I guess there's such oddball questions. Yes. Yes. And yeah. So when you, yeah, as looking through that, you know, and it's just a whole lot of those songs that just really, it it would obviously be like amazing grace. Mm. You know, that, that's just the quintessential, um, religious hymn that just resonates with with i'm sure a lot of folks but that really sticks out i yeah, love no, to hear that again that is a solid answer yes um are there any kinds of songs or music that you'll avoid listening to you, maybe a lot based they, on what you said you know and and it's just I, i'm just my my taste in music is much older than my physical person and so what happens is is a lot of the music even some of the new country and stuff that my sons listen to and a lot of the hard rock music and rap music I just can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. And I may like it if I could, but I don't know. Yeah. And and then I'm sure it's because I've just not made the effort, you know, to get into it or listen to the beat and get along or get the words and see what they're saying. So yeah, I just I just don't just don't. 
I understand completely. Yep. Um, okay, if you were given the power to broadcast a song to everybody on the planet all at once and give them that song in that moment together, what would it be? Oh, you're going to, yes, I knew you were going to go there Going somewhere. back to your list. Yeah, I got to go back to the list. And so, you know, um, one of the things that I love, and, and, and I think one of the things that we've talked about a lot is, is religious songs, the, the old gospel hymns. One of the things that I love about that is that, you know, religion is based on love. And in a world that we live in today, you know, we need love. We need some understanding. We need some kindness, caring, and compassion. And so, you know, I would have to choose one of the songs from the from the religious aspects of my life that, you know, people need to hear that. People need to feel that. I deal every day, and I'm sure most people do. You deal with people you don't agree with, especially now in the political climate that we're in. And what we need is we need people to exercise grace and compassion. If I don't agree, that's okay. You know, but we still have to have a love for each other as humans, and and uh, and not be so um, quick to judge or or persecute somebody for not believing the same political aspects or views that that we do. We've got to be able to to be able to um, to overlook those and exercise love, and that and and truly that comes from religion. So and so, what's the song that can yeah, help do right, that? Yeah, help I'm move that to needle? <laughs> Well, man, that's a really that's a great question that you really got to give the right answer to. I'll go back, you know, and and sticking sticking true to my to my list. Alan Jackson has a one of the old old hymns on here is just as I am, and it speaks about you know Alan Jackson and and the hymn talks about you know I I am the person I am, you know, and and uh, but yet we still need and love we need the love and we have to understand the love of Jesus and practice the love of Jesus and who we are is who we are. And I think Jesus understands that and loves us all the same. And so you give that to everybody. That's right. Um, if you had to choose one album, which could be the only music you'll listen to for the rest of your life, like what album would you choose that would have enough on it to keep you going? So the, uh, you know, and, and, and I love, uh, you know, obviously the three that I've shown here, but uh, Jimmy Buffett has that, that collection of, I think it's Beaches, Boats, and Bars. Uh-huh. And that's got a ton of good music on it that's, that covers a wide variety of different aspects of his career. And I just, I have that. And that's one of my go-to things that I play a lot. And I just love to listen to that. You wouldn't get tired of it. I don't think I ever, I still haven't yet. And I've had it <laughs> since it came out and I'm not tired of it. Um, what would your 14 year old self think of who you are today? Uh, an, an old geezer. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> my 15 year old son does. What would your 14 year old self think of, you know, County Commissioner Mike Swindle, yeah. you know, Superintendent of Hendry County right. Schools, Mike Swindle? Yep. Yep. That probably, especially when I was 14, that was far outside of uh, what I thought my the direction my life would go. I thought um, uh, what had been imprinted on me and in my brain at that point in time was work. You need to work, you know, and you need to be a farmer. You have to produce food. You have to, that's what we do in life. Farmers make food for people so we can have a sustainable society. And so being in leadership roles was not on my horizon then. So mm. I'm sure that I, if somebody would have told me that, then I'd said, I don't, I don't think so. Anything you'd want to tell your 14-year-old self? Well, uh, the 14-year-old self needs to know to stay true, stay true to your roots, stay true to who you are, the upbringing, um, the values that you were taught, and uh, and keep working hard. All right, it's time for you to recommend three people. Okay, all right, I can do that. So after giving it, after giving it the thought that I could anyway, um, the first one I want to recommend is Mr. Raymond Iglesias. Okay, Mr. Iglesias, uh, he's a long, lifelong resident of Clewiston. Took my spot as county commissioner uh, for Hendry County, and he probably has as good a grip on what's going on in Hendry County, what 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 the direction we're going, and what our needs are as anyone. Um, he ru- he actually runs the uh, Roland Marion Mark Marina and mm-hmm. Marine Center, and so where um, the cheeky bar is. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I've been there. Yep, yep. And so um, he's a great individual. He interacts with the community a lot. I think he'd be a great person to bring his perspective onto the radio show and to share some more about uh, Henry County and and where we are. I'd love to have him. Who's, yep. Who's next? Miss Christine Peterson. Um, she's an unbelievable individual in my. She's one of the one of the best people God ever put breath in. Uh, she's a true American to every sense of the word. She's currently teaching criminal justice at Clewiston High School, and she's taking young adults that have never um, thought that they would have a, a law enforcement-type career, and she's teaching them to be 911 dispatchers, uh, a prerequisite to going into law enforcement. She still interacts heavily with the safety of our schools, 
and and obviously she's mayor of Clueston right now, and so she has a great grip on our community, who those kids are, who the adults are, what needs to happen, and what's going on. So I would absolutely recommend her. That's uh, those are two solid recommendations. Yes. I'm happy. Yep. What's the third? The third is going to be Miss Amanda Nelson. Miss Amanda Nelson is a LaBelle resident, lifelong LaBelle resident, and she's actually chairman of the school board. And so uh, from that aspect, she knows deep, intricate knowledge about what where the schools are. She's a former teacher, so she understands the school system, what our needs are, um, and, and the direction we're going as a community and as a school system. Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for driving in. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you very much. Any final thoughts? No, not uh, other than just I'm, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity to be here. Um, interact today. I love being able to share what I see in Henry County and and letting other people have a, a glimpse of the footprint that we are. We're less than 30 miles from where we're sitting. And uh, oftentimes we find out that people just don't know. They don't know what goes on in Hendry. And uh, and I welcome that. I want, I would much rather people ask, come, see, tour, look at what we do um, so that we can be a true region and work together, no matter if it's for education or the things that divide us. Uh, we need to work closer so we can make them things that bring us together and we find solutions to. Cheers to that. Thank yes. you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the invite. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and host. Jared the Intern Gonzalez is our production assistant. And our executive producer is Chris Duffus. Our theme song was made by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. If you'd like to hear a slightly shorter version of this conversation, but one that contains longer versions of the songs, just go to wgcu.org and click the Listen tab at the top of the page. For this week's Parting Tune, we're jumping back two years to episode number 132 guest Alexandra Figueres. She was at the time a recent journalism graduate from FGCU and once interned for the WGCU radio newsroom. Her cousin introduced her to her first song, Young Blood by the Naked and Famous, when she was about 15 and she says it's going to stick with her for the rest of her life. And at the time, my family on my dad's side lived in Indiana, so I would go visit them over the summers. And she introduced me to that song, and it was such like a, a lively song that kind of just gave me, I don't know how to say it, like power in a way. I felt invincible. And we would play this on like late night car rides with like some of our friends that had cars, and we would play it before jumping off of bridges and playing in like the cornfields and stuff so it, w- it just gave me a sense of freedom and that's a memory that I carry with me to this day so every time I hear that song like sometimes when I'm sad I'll go on late night car rides and I'll just blast that song and it brings me back to that time when I was in my teenage years kind of carefree and free essentially keep listening